Listen, I get it. You like saving in Bitcoin. But check this out. You can actually complement your HODL position by investing in Bitcoin startups. If you want additional upside and enjoy learning about angel investing, you should check out Lightning Ventures. Lightning Ventures is a great way to stack real equity in Bitcoin-only companies. They've invested in businesses you've heard about on this show, including Azteco, CrowdHealth, and Swan Bitcoin. And Lightning Ventures makes it easy to get started in the world of early stage investing. The minimum investment is only $1,000 per deal, and you only invest in the deals that make sense to you. So if you want to get a behind the scenes look at the startups you know and love, if you want a chance to support their growth, and if you want another opportunity to profit as the Bitcoin ecosystem develops, check out the 60 second application in the show notes to get started today in building a world that runs on better money. As we move to fair value accounting, now every quarter, a company will be able to say, here's the market value of Bitcoin. Here's how much Bitcoin we're holding. Here's the value on our balance sheet, whether it moves up or down. And corresponding journal entry that hits the income statement, same thing. It really makes all the difference in the world, right? It was a very legitimate excuse prior for a CEO or a CFO to say, I'm not going to waste a second studying Bitcoin strictly based off the treatment that it gets. And now that's been lifted. So the pathway has been cleared for all corporations to adopt Bitcoin as a reserve asset. Welcome to the Business Bitcoinization Show, the show dedicated to helping you enrich your life and grow your business with Bitcoin, the hardest money on planet Earth. I'm your host, Josh Friedemann, and our guest today is Joe Yanni, who's a longtime student of Bitcoin. He's also the founder of Linkster, where he provides Bitcoin guidance for businesses, institutions, family offices, and high net worth individuals. Joe and I connected a while ago on LinkedIn, and as we started talking recently, he seemed like a great person to bring on the show to talk about some of the recent accounting principles that have been updated by FASB. These are in large measure very positive for business owners, but Joe provides some interesting perspectives depending on your particular situation for your business. I think you're going to enjoy hearing from Joe today, but before we get to the interview, we do have this week's Bitcoin Meetup Spotlight, and I also want to highlight a few people who have been supporting the show on Fountain in the last week. Thanks to Ralphie AMB2018, SAVBTC, and user 28917553700241804180, you know who you are, for streaming sats to the show in the last week. Thank you also to Jam Power, who sent 196 sats and said, loving it with the Bitcoin symbol. Also to Ralphie, who sent 5,105 sats. He said, let's go. Nice episode. I'll try out Wiser. If you'd like to support the show, you can listen on Fountain. You can even earn a few sats by listening to episodes on Fountain. But if you support the show, I'm going to use those funds to promote the show to more people. I'd love to get more business owners thinking about how they can use Bitcoin in their businesses. So whether you listen on Fountain and support the show or you share this with a business owner, I would really appreciate that. This week's Bitcoin Meetup Spotlight is in Joe's neighborhood, and it's the Arizona Bitcoin Network. 
The Arizona Bitcoin Network is the largest and best Bitcoin meetup in Arizona. They're a registered 501c3 nonprofit with over 750 members hosting free events every week across Phoenix, Gilbert, and Tucson. Whether you've been in Bitcoin for years or are brand new and just trying to figure out what all the excitement is about, they'd love to have you. They host casual hangouts and educational presentations on a variety of topics each month. They've also added a BitDevs meetup for developers. They're on a mission to lead the Grand Canyon State into a bright orange Bitcoin future. Join them on Twitter at AZBitcoiners or on their meetup page. Those links are down below, along with a link to the Oshi app, which you can use to find a Bitcoin meetup near you. Now, we're going to get to our interview with Joe right after this. Business owners, unlock the benefits Bitcoin has to offer your business with the Bitcoin for Business Quick Start Guide. This 27-page guide highlights the six ways you can grow your business with Bitcoin. Check it out in the show notes. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Josh. Great to be here. So I like to start off every single interview with a few questions that help us to get to know you a little bit better and give us some insight for our own lives. Are you ready for these? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. When and how did you first learn about Bitcoin? My first memory of Bitcoin would have been 2013, uh, sitting in my cubicle at KeyBank's headquarters. Article just, I came across, you know, I remember thinking this is fascinating, but pretty quickly dismissing it, uh, being you know highly skeptical, moving on and not really thinking much about it the next couple months. Um, and then I have to give credit to my, my aunt and my cousin, uh, my cousin was an early believer. My aunt was a skeptic. However, she decided to loop me into some emails that they were sending mm-hmm. back and forth uh, late 2013. And I still have some screenshots of my responses saved on my desktop, just so I can you have that uh, quick and easy reminder. It, it's really funny to look back on. Uh, so I got to give credit to them. That was an important touch point. And then the most important one, though, was early 2014, um, I had an assignment dropped on my desk that I remember being really uh, significant and, and feeling like I was kind of thrown out in the, the deep end a little bit, uh, mm. which was the Federal Reserve stress test, specifically just the consumer segment portion of it. Uh, and this kind of just took me down the rabbit hole of what really happened during the global financial crisis. Uh, what was the response? You know, all those bailouts that I had read about when I was a senior in high school or a freshman in college, what were the actual mechanics? And I came to the conclusion that really just kicked the world's largest can down the road, that it guaranteed a future excessive stimulus response to any sort of jolt to the system. And sure enough, we saw that in a major way with COVID and the response to that. Uh, so it really kind of changed my perspective. And then sure enough, I don't remember if that day I thought about Bitcoin or maybe the next time I had read an article about it, I saw it from a whole new perspective and uh, joined the roster in mid-2014. And it's been a heck of a journey since. Uh, very humbling. I'd say I've gotten more wrong over the past 10 years of how this would play mm-hmm. out than, than I've gotten right. But uh, I think that's, you know, what gives me the opportunity to provide value, though, to clients. And, uh, mm. man, I, I, I certainly didn't have it all figured out, right, in, in, in mid-2014. I still very much looked at it sure. as a, a speculative, asymmetric play. Uh, and it's proven me – I've just been amazed each and every year how much I underestimated it 
And I wasn't seeing the full big picture, right? Until these last three or so years. So I'm curious, I just want to stop before I get to the next question. Are there things right now about Bitcoin that you wonder if we're getting wrong? Does that make sense? It's like, it's easy to see in retrospect things that you've gotten wrong. Do you feel like there might be anything right now that we might be looking at Bitcoin wrong or assuming certain things that won't end up being the case? Sure. Uh, The first one that comes to mind is, this isn't a belief held by everyone, but there are some beliefs out there that uh, where we are on the fiat life cycle and how these these, these stimulative uh, responses are, are becoming orders of magnitude larger each time, uh, that we'll all of a sudden have some moment five years from now or 10 years from now where it, it's like the Weimar Republic uh, after World War II, uh, where the dollar is just going to collapse in over the course of a few weeks or months. My baseline expectation is that this all just kind of plays out over the coming decades. Um, you know, I like to tell people that I think 25 to 30 years from now, Bitcoin will be the primary unit of account to measure assets. And sometimes they'll respond like, man, I'll be dead by then. Like, why do I care? <laughs> you know? But then I try to explain like, no, this is a very gradual process. It's not that 25 or 30 years from now, there's going to be a switch that flips it's that slowly but surely, Bitcoin has just eaten value away from the other asset classes to the point where we can measure all the assets in Bitcoin. So, mm. um, you know, that's my personal opinion. Of course, I can be proven way wrong about that, you know, 5, 10, 15 years from now. Um, but I think this is a gradual process of taking demand away from you know, the bond market, uh, taking demand away from real estate that's not held for its utility, but it's more so just the store of value. And I think that would be best for the world. You know, I hope that's right because uh, it would be really, really chaotic and it wouldn't give a chance of people to wake up to what's happening if it were all to just happen very quickly. So you've just given us some great insight there. But the second question is, what's an insight or fact about Bitcoin that you wish everyone understood? So I'm going to give you two, if you don't mind, just because the first one is not actually about Bitcoin. It's about the system that it's in the process of replacing. Mm. So a centrally managed fiat system is very predatory and very vulturous in nature. And there's a famous Henry Ford quote that gets circulated quite often in that um, if the people of the nation understood the monetary system and the banking system, there would be a revolution by tomorrow morning. And uh, I I very much agree with them and share those thoughts. Uh, On this same note, I think RFK Jr. had a great, great quote lately. You know, you don't have to agree with all of his policies to appreciate this thought, which is, we've developed into a situation where there's this cushy socialism for the ruling class and the elite class, but there's a brutal form of capitalism for everyone else, Mm. you know, the middle class and the working class. And I took a step back and I'm like, man, I haven't really heard it described that way, but it's pretty spot on. I think it's kind of scary that the younger generation, this is a growing thought that they look at the, the chaos and the unrest in the world today. They look at the wealth gap, uh, they look at the corruption that we, it seems like the new story comes out every week, right? With our government, let alone other countries' governments. And they look at this and they say, this is the result of capitalism. Uh, well, capitalism does not describe this system that we've been under, especially since 1970s when 
the gold standard was uh, completely had cut ties. This is much better described as collectivism or corporatism, crony capitalism, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the first one. The second one is how early we are. Uh, one of those screenshots I mentioned from my 2013 email exchange, I said, I wish I had studied this earlier. I feel behind on the topic, you know, but it looks like something to at least look into. Uh, and it's just funny because unless you're Satoshi or maybe Hal Finney, everyone feels like they're late. Everyone. True for people in 2013, true for people today and everyone in between. Mm. Uh, on this note, sometimes people will say investing in Bitcoin is not like investing in Amazon in the 90s because Bitcoin's already half a trillion in market cap. And I say, I agree with you. It's not like it because the first wave of the internet, all the value was captured at the application layer, hmm. Facebook, Amazon. Uh, we don't even really think about the protocol layer, TCP IP, which powers all of our email interactions and our website hosting, et cetera. Uh, Bitcoin completely changes this model. The value is going to be accrued at the protocol layer itself because Bitcoin is a protocol with its own inherent currency. And then the value will also be accrued at the, the application layer, similar to that first wave of the internet. Uh, so my answer to those people is you're right. It's more like buying a slice of the internet. Wouldn't people have wanted to do that in the 90s? Question number three, what's the Bitcoin resource you most recommend to other people? Uh, for this one, it's probably a video that goes by the title, The Best Bitcoin Explanation You'll Ever Hear. It was a speech given by, I believe his name's Peter Van Valkenburg. Uh, the one caveat I'd throw out is that he mentions blockchains plural a few times, which I'm mm. personally not a huge fan of. But um, sure. outside of that, it's a great description of why Bitcoin is significant and why it's so transformative that someone can kind of grasp that's never heard of it before. And uh, he also does a great job of highlighting single points of failure within systems and why this needs to be avoided. So, yeah. you know, if I give a book recommendation, you know, what are the odds someone's going to not only buy it, but actually make it all the way through? Uh, this sure. is a six minute video. You know, I tell people it's a five minute video <laughs> to <laughs> make it even more likely that they'll give it a chance. But I've gotten good feedback in terms of people re responding to it saying, oh, wow, that's that's kind of interesting. I was looking at this completely differently. I don't know if I've listened to that before, so I'll definitely check it out. And for me, it'll probably be like a three-minute video because uh, I can't remember the last time I listened to something at regular speed. So <laughs> yeah. question number four is this. Beyond Bitcoin, what is a resource, tool, or idea that's been helpful to you or your business recently? I would say uh, building from a strong foundation as, mm -hmm. as, as an idea. Uh, so uh, it, it just more fits my personality type of trying to be profitable from a very early stage and uh, allowing the adoption and the corresponding revenue determine how much this thing scales in the future, mm. uh, as opposed to what was more popular approach the past 15 years, especially, which is growth by any means necessary. Um, you go out and raise capital and then you chase after users and revenue so that you can have a successful next raise of capital. And it just kind of starts this mm. whole cycle. Um, it works for some, certainly, but the building from a, a slow, strong, sturdy foundation 
not only more in line with my personality, but also fits some of the characteristics of why Bitcoin's still standing and stronger than ever. Now we have our final arbitrary but insightful question, and it's this. As a general life principle, is it better to ask why or why not? I could go either way on this. So I'm going to make it more uh, specific to my business. I'm going to say why not. If it's why, it's a prospect or a client asking me why Bitcoin. And I could give them 100 reasons why I'm long-term bullish on this. Uh, But if I'm not hitting the one that's kind of causing a roadblock uh, mentally for them, then it's all just white noise. Whereas if I flip it on them and I ask why not Bitcoin, that reveals their main one or two or three uh, mental blocks that then I can address and start peeling that onion back with them. Meet Linkster, your premier Bitcoin-focused advisor. Linkster caters to businesses, institutions, family offices, and high-net-worth individuals. They merge your unique financial goals and needs with Linkster's Bitcoin expertise to craft your own sustainable plan to preserve and grow the value of your hard-earned profits and retained earnings. And Linkster is not just advice. It's tailored execution. Connect directly with the founder by visiting Linkster.com. That's L-Y-N-C-S-T-E-R. Linkster, secure your future with Bitcoin. Today's episode of Business Bitcoinization is proudly brought to you by Vellus Commerce, where the future of business technology meets Bitcoin. As we journey through the era of Bitcoin and its transformational impact on businesses, there's one name that stands out. Vellus Commerce. Whether you're looking to build a cutting-edge website, a seamless mobile app, or custom software, Vellus is your go-to team. They've been diving deep into the world of Bitcoin since 2014, making them one of the most experienced groups for integrating Bitcoin and Lightning payments into a variety of digital platforms. But here's what truly sets them apart. Vellus Commerce doesn't just build. They bring a wealth of knowledge to ensure your project success from day one. Their team understands the nuances of Bitcoin, ensuring that your business stays ahead of the curve. And for all business Bitcoinization listeners out there, Vellus Commerce is offering a free consultation to kickstart your project the right way. So if you're ready to future-proof your business in the coming age of hyper-Bitcoinization, head over to VellusCommerce.com or reach out on Twitter at Vellus Commerce. Let's make sure your business thrives in the Bitcoin era. Well, Joe, we're here today to talk about your business, Linkster, as well as getting your insight on the new FASB regulations and what they mean for Bitcoin, particularly as a reserve asset, particularly for business owners who want to hold Bitcoin on their balance sheets. First of all, could you share with us what Linkster is and who you're looking to serve with your business? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Linkster is a Bitcoin-focused advisor for businesses, institutions, family offices, high net worth individuals. Linkster is all about empowering positive Bitcoin experiences. You know, there's a lot of common uh, missteps, mistakes, pitfalls that new participants make. And as long as they can avoid these, inevitably, they're going to become advocates. And they're going to see that the purchasing power of their hard-earned profits and retained earnings are appreciating in time over value in relation to all other assets. And, and Linkster is also about customized recommendations. So, uh, you know, there's other options out there. Uh, there's big Bitcoin brokerage businesses that have great brands and do an awesome job on the educational side. Uh, but they more so advertise that we can have you up and running within one to two days, or we can have you up and running very quickly. Whereas Linkster is more of a, an intimate approach. You know, I'm going to ask clients to open their books, send their financial statements, I can't give a customized recommendation if I don't understand you know, their particular capital position 
uh, their cash flow projections, what is their confidence in those projections, you know, et cetera. So it's really about an, an intimate journey, understanding Bitcoin. Uh, and, you know, it, inevitably, a lot of clients will look at Bitcoin as a way to acquire more fiat. And that's just the process. Maybe you don't try to win that battle day one and you just take them along the journey. And as their value of their assets appreciates, they'll just become more and more curious. You mentioned Linkster helps people to kind of maybe um, feel comfortable with the process and understand the process as opposed to trying to get them in as fast as possible. What are the types of things that you help people to do? Is it uh, understanding self-custody? Do you connect them with businesses that can help them to do that? Do you help them in acquiring? I guess, what what are the things that people can expect when they come to Linkster? Sure. So I'd say the biggest value that I provide is understanding what allocation makes sense, given that given that Bitcoin is really a long-term view and a long-term savings technology. Now, of course, it's much more than that, but that's really where uh, my advice and my guidance comes into play. Uh, and then it, it can be customized, really, those other questions for you. So I have a, a base offering that acknowledges some people are just simply not ready for not only self-custody, but if you, if you mention collaborative custody, some people may walk away right then. It's, it's becoming too complex and intimidating for them. Uh, so I have a base offering that uses the best qualified custodian of the past 10 years. And uh, the smartest thing that they've done is allow in-kind withdrawals or else I simply wouldn't have used them. Uh, so if client is, is ready and, and interested in collaborative custody or self-custody, uh, you know, it's really all about a customized experience for them and where they're at. Now, one of the things I really wanted to talk with you about today are the, the regulatory changes that have recently taken place for business owners who want to hold Bitcoin on their balance sheet. So could you share with us a little bit about those changes? Um, you know, we throw around the term FASB. Share with us what FASB is. <laughs> yeah. what the what, Basically, give us, give us the, the TLDR of the situation when it comes to Bitcoin and accounting and how those uh, what changes have recently taken place. Yeah, absolutely. This was enormous news. And I love that it comes during the apathy phase of the cycle, where it's very unpopular to talk about Bitcoin. The price didn't change at all. Uh, but 5, 10, 15 years from now, I think people will look back and say this was a historical event. Uh, so we've known since October of 2022, I believe it was, that FASB publicly acknowledged that fair value accounting probably made more sense than treating Bitcoin like an indefinite and tangible asset. But we didn't really know what those future details were going to look like. And uh, just a few weeks ago, there was a unanimous decision from FASB to change that, that ruling to fair value accounting. Uh, now, let me address some of those more basic questions you asked. FASB is the Financial Accounting Standards Board. They create guidance and principles and uh, accounting standards to live by for generally accepted accounting principles, so companies that follow GAAP. And previously, they had not made rules that were specific to Bitcoin. Uh, so companies would have to default to the American Institute of CPAs, which claimed that uh, Bitcoin was an indefinite intangible asset. So what does that mean exactly? Intangible asset, an example of this is like a trademark or a copyright or uh, good, goodwill, which is basically brand value. These are assets that provide value to a business over an indefinite period of time that are more difficult to, to value 
and to calculate the, the valuation for. Um, so they're, they're given this kind of exotic treatment of the lowest value those assets are ever at is what you need to hold them as on your balance sheet. So you impair them down. And if they ever appreciate in value, or if you're ever there and it's worth more than it, not only it used to be, but maybe you acquired it for, you don't get to reflect that in your financial statements. Um, so Bitcoin holders like MicroStrategy is a perfect example because they're the most known for doing this. If they held Bitcoin on their balance sheet, uh, they would have to show that at the lowest value since they acquired it. And the corresponding impairment charge also hits their P&L, their income statement. So this can really distort their financial reality. Uh, it could make an, a profitable business look unprofitable. And you don't get to look at a, a from a quarter to quarter basis or a year over year basis. How did that decision to allocate to Bitcoin? How is that paying off for them? Um, you don't get to see that. So what this leads to is a lot of footnotes explaining that. Well, this is the way we're treating this asset. Uh, imagine being an investment analyst who has to look through fifty companies, you know, trying to decide are there any attractive investment opportunities here. And you get to this company that has all these footnotes explaining this asset that you don't really understand. And you know, you'd have to adjust their, both their balance sheet and their P&L if you wanted to see a clear picture. You'd probably just walk away and move on to your, the rest of your stack of companies to look at. Um, and so this is getting cleared up because as we move to fair value accounting, now every quarter, a company will be able to say, here's the market value of Bitcoin. Here's how much Bitcoin we're holding. Here's the value on our balance sheet, whether it moves up or down. And corresponding journal entry that hits the income statement, same thing. Uh, this moves, this is also a really important distinction as well. Because uh, some of the high level stuff has been well talked about amongst Bitcoin circles of FASB and, and a lot of those dynamics that I just talked about. What's been talked about less is the impairment charge from the, the old treatment would hit your typical operating expenses. So it could really muck up the operating profitability of the business. With fair value accounting, it's going to fall below the operating section of the income statement, down with the other income and other expenses. So you'll very clearly be able to see how's the business op core operating? How's the profitability there? Also, down below, how's the performance of this allocation to Bitcoin? Uh, it really makes all the difference in the world, right? It was a very legitimate excuse prior for a CEO or a CFO to say, I'm not going to waste a second studying Bitcoin strictly based off the accounting, the treatment that it gets. Uh, and now that's been lifted. So the pathway has been cleared for all corporations to adopt Bitcoin as a reserve asset. When you're talking with clients in the future, or maybe you've already had some of these conversations since the change a couple of weeks ago, what, what does it look like now when you're talking to a business owner or someone who's looking to hold Bitcoin on their balance sheet? Is it easier for you to share with them the benefits? Is it easier for them to see the benefits of Bitcoin? Yeah, absolutely. I'll, uh, I'll give you an example. Last week, I was talking with a friend of mine who's the president of a product development and product innovation company. And he came into it highly skeptical of just Bitcoin in general. And you know, the FASB changes is something that I've already talked about since day one of my business, because we knew they were coming. But now it's not so much a, this theoretical uh, idea floating out there. 
now we can talk more specifically to it. And that slide is where it really clicked for him because he's a finance and accounting background of, wow, you know, this just really opened the floodgates. It may not happen overnight, but as liquidity comes back into the financial system, uh, this is going to make a huge difference. So he was really able to grasp it from that perspective. And it led us to all sorts of interesting topics as well, like, uh, which is, this is just kind of an interesting one to think about. How would holding Bitcoin on a balance sheet be treated during an M&A process? So mergers and acquisitions. Hmm. He was asking, would it be discounted? Would it be fair value? Would it be, would there be a premium? Uh, where I landed was it could either be fair value because of how liquid it is, or present day, I could see a discount being applied because hmm. Bitcoin's price volatility introduces a risk to that acquiring company that they don't know what the value of this asset's going to be at the time they take ownership of it. An M&A process can last anywhere from six months to several years, right? But in the future, it's, it's fun to think about a future state where the world has realized what Bitcoin is enough mm -hmm. that a premium is applied to Bitcoin being held on balance sheets of those being acquired, right? Because yeah. the verifiable scarcity if it being programmed to appreciate versus all other assets, uh, why wouldn't you put a premium on that asset, right? I hadn't ever really thought about that. And especially the like, if, if I were looking to uh, purchase a business and they had Bitcoin on the balance sheet, that would be a, uh, you know, for any Bitcoiner, that'd be a massive thing. But I can see how it'd be a discount in most people's minds at this point in time. I'm curious, are there any other potential downsides to this change when it comes to you know, fair value accounting and Bitcoin, any, any downsides that business owners should be thinking about? Like maybe if they're looking to sell their business soon at this point in time, that, you know, whether or not they hold Bitcoin on their balance sheet uh, should be something they really think long and hard about. Are there other potential downsides that people should be thinking through? I don't think there's anything, any huge major downsides. Uh, mm -hmm. I do think that uh, those responsible financial reporting or auditors, uh, they might disagree. Uh, their life will become a little harder, but uh, sure. nothing that, that doesn't make this all worth it, right? So due to Bitcoin's volatility in fiat terms, uh, there will need to be robust valuation frameworks and procedures built out uh, because those businesses will be held accountable for the value mm -hmm. that they assign to, at quarter end, at year end. Uh, and similarly, auditors they will have to assess the fair market value and have to determine which procedures uh, should be used and should be avoided. One other interesting note on an unintended consequence or, or uh, maybe kind of a contrarian view on the accounting change. Uh, the topic of Bitcoin and the stock market being correlated is one that it's, I find it kind of frustrating because uh, when they're highly correlated, which we've had periods of, uh, there's, there are all sorts of people come out kicking and screaming, trying to say that this is, this is a good reason to show that Bitcoin's nothing more than a high beta tech stock is how it trades. Right. Mm -hmm. But then when Bitcoin goes through periods where it's a low correlation to stocks, uh, those people kind of disappear. And, uh, of course, Bitcoin has characteristics like the having event, which, affect supply and demand and are completely separate of the stock market. Uh, going forward in the future, I would have said a few months ago before I thought through this, as Bitcoin matures, 
it will become more and more uncorrelated with the stock market. And I think that's kind of a general accepted belief. But when you think about it, as more and more companies are holding Bitcoin in their treasury, well, Bitcoin's price performance is going to impact the valuation of those businesses. Hmm. So we're going to reach a point in time, I don't know, let's just throw out a number 15 years, 20 years from now, maybe sooner, I hope sooner, right? Um, where Bitcoin and stocks are very highly correlated. Some people hmm. will try to do mental gymnastics on saying this is a reason why Bitcoin failed. When in reality, Bitcoin's not following the stocks, it's that the stocks are following Bitcoin. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I, I haven't heard anyone talking about that. I, I'm sure it's being said in some corners of the Bitcoin world, but um, you know that's why it's important to always be open-minded. I, I would have, at the surface level, I would have strongly disagreed with that a few months ago. So we've talked a good bit today about Bitcoin as a reserve asset and how the recent FASB changes uh, affect that. Are there any other business use cases that you're really excited about or that you find that the business owners you talk to really enjoy thinking about? Sure. I would say I'm really excited about Bitcoin being used as collateral. Um, hmm. Let's talk about why. So Bitcoin is the most pristine collateral that human beings have ever known. I know, bold statement, but let's kind of walk through it. What makes good collateral? It has to be uh, cost-effective to hold. Bitcoin gets a big check mark there. It has to be very liquid in case that uh, the lender has to liquidate that value of that collateral to cover that loan if the value is dropping significantly. Bitcoin gets a big check mark there. It has to be easy to transfer, so to receive it or to send it back to the owner or to uh, release it back to the owner. Bitcoin gets a big check mark there. It has to be operationally easy to use. Again, Bitcoin gets a check mark there. Once you send or receive your first transaction, you're, a lot of people are like, wow, that's it? I mean, this is incredibly easy. Uh, and then most importantly, for collateral markets to function effectively, there needs to be digital secure ownership information, hmm. informa uh, ownership records right, that provide real-time information. There is no asset on the planet that compares even remotely to Bitcoin's yeah. characteristics on digital secure ownership information, right? And those ownership records. Now let's talk about the elephant in the room on the collateral topic, which is Bitcoin's price volatility. Uh, now this isn't as much of a risk to the lender as long as they're over collateralizing the loans, but it is a risk to those holding Bitcoin and using it as collateral. Uh, if you, if you approach this wrong, you're probably going to lose all of your Bitcoin for this stage and where we're at. If you, take, if you use your Bitcoin to take out a loan after it had just done a 10x the previous 12 months, and you use this at the very top of the cycle, you're going to be in a very precarious situation where you have to either post additional collateral, or you're going to have to pay that loan down either with the Bitcoin or with other sources of cash flow. Um, so that is critical to mitigate that risk right now, especially to not use Bitcoin as collateral unless it's either already corrected significantly or it's kind of in an apathy stage like right now. It doesn't mm -hmm. completely eliminate this risk, but it significantly mitigates it. Uh, now, in the future, when those price drawdowns during Bitcoin cycles are 60%, 50%, once it gets to under 50%, I think Bitcoin being used as collateral 
uh, will explode, if not already very widespread by that point. Very interesting. So, uh, Joe, you've given us a lot to think about today. I appreciate you coming on. Could you share with us any final thoughts you have as well as where people can go to find out more about you and learn about Linkster? Yeah, sure. I would say, I imagine a lot of your listeners are Bitcoiners already, but uh, if we're successful at getting this episode in the hands of other business owners and operators that aren't yet, I would just say start today. Uh, Everyone feels like they're late. Uh, Your future self, your future business, your future generations of your family will be thankful that you did. Something as simple as just Googling, what is Bitcoin? Why is Bitcoin important? Uh, You could watch that video I mentioned earlier, which is titled, uh, The Best Bitcoin Explanation You'll Ever Hear. Uh, Or if you're a book person, you know, order a book. Uh, Just take some sort of step today, you know, not tomorrow, not next week. Try to make it a habit. Uh, That would be my biggest piece of advice. More on me. Uh, So the business, there's a LinkedIn page. Uh, Linkster is L-Y-N-C-S-T-E-R. I'll be posting on there occasionally, uh, sharing thoughts on Bitcoin being used as a reserve asset, as a long-term savings technology. Uh, Not just specific to businesses, but a heavy focus to businesses. Uh, And then uh, you could reach out to me personally on LinkedIn as well. It's Joe, last name is I-A-N-N-I. You'd be amazed at how many people think my name is Lonnie because the, uh, the capital I and the lowercase L are identical. Yeah, not very convenient, but you know the last name starting with I is not very common. So not too many of us out there that know that struggle. Uh, and then finally, just the website, uh, just linkster.com. Uh, more information about what we do and able to contact me that way as well. Perfect. Well, Joe, thanks so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure. This was awesome, Josh. Thanks for having me. Well, friends, it's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Business Bitcoinization Show. If you want to reach out to either me or Joe, you can find those links down in the show notes. And if you want to secure your future with Bitcoin, consider Linkster. As always, keep building, keep growing. And until next time, keep living and leading well. If you're a regular listener of the podcast, thank you. If you want to take a further step in your support for the show, you can help us grow by listening on Fountain, a value-for-value podcast app on iOS or Android. If you hear something you like that you disagree with or anything else, you can share it by sending some sats and adding a comment with your thoughts. Some of you have already done this, and I appreciate it. I'm going to begin reading your boosts on upcoming episodes, so if you have some insight or value to add, let the people know. Getting started with Fountain is easy. You can add Bitcoin to your Fountain wallet by using your fiat accounts or any lightning wallet and one of my favorite features is that once you're using the app you can earn sats just by listening on fountain check out the link in the show notes to get started with fountain today